Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. My name is Paul Nant and I will be hosting the show today and we'll be talking about a two all draw at Loftus Roads. Yeah, I know it's called something else, but I always call it Loftus Road. I've also been joined by Jacob Southcline. Hi, Jacob. Hello. Good evening, everyone. Or morning, or afternoon, or whenever you're watching. He covers the whole of the world. See, Jacob Southcline is global. He's ready for it, isn't he? He's a phenomenon. And I've also been joined by Hugh from 106 Chat Podcast. Hello. Hi, you're here. So, what did we think of it last night then, overall, Jacob? Quick kind of summary of it before we get into more detail. I don't know, like, I'm enjoying new and improved nasty rhythm. Um, we we really took the game to QPR, and even though we went behind twice, there was never a point in the game where I thought, hang on a minute, dreadful here, which has been happening more often than not recently. So um, but some some real positives to take from the performance, I thought, and um, a point against a team that will be looking to push for the playoffs at the end of the season. Um, it's not a bad result, really. But I saw some statistics before the game that we have not won on a Tuesday night now for about... 14, 15 attempts at it. Um, so, yeah, to come away with a point um, against a team that we've not really done well against recently, you know, it's it's you know it's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, I think, like you say, getting back to nasty Reading FC is exactly what I want to see. And despite the fact that Mark Bowen's appointment went down like a lead balloon, Slowly, very, very slowly, still early, he appears to be winning over a few fans, probably not all of them. Um, but Hugh, what did you make of it? Well, I was at the game yesterday, and I know it's one of those things that is hard to link to like what's actually going on on the pitch, but passion seemed to be back from the players. Whereas before, in like Blackburn, where we gave them all the time in the world to score from the edge of the box, same with Tom Kearney for Fulham, now, when they were playing a similar ball along the edge of the box, people were charging in to close it down. Um, same as when crosses were coming in, people were taking responsibility and going for the headers. And it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it seems like were the players not trying before? And is that all it took to get them to kind of go, wake up, lads, you need to just put in a bit more effort? Because that's why we got the point yesterday, really. Because... Twice we went down and we didn't let our heads go down, though, when we conceded. Like, the fact that we could equalise with the first goal almost a minute after conceding was great to see. Because I, um, I turned to my dad in the stands when they were attacking right before we countered and said to him, we need to be careful here in case we go 2-0 down. And all of a sudden, Ijari has put in an inch-perfect pass for Puskas. I mean... That pass was absolutely fantastic. One of the best balls I've seen played in ages by a Reading player. Mm. Yeah, no, no, that was quality. Um, so if we go into the actual match that we uh, saw, it's kind of, there was an incident before that, a Miazga red card possibility. And I've got to say that I was watching it on TV and I think you were as well, Jacob. <laughs> I'm amazed that we haven't heard that he's been banned after that. What do you think of it? Is there, is there still a potential this long after the match that he could still, you know, be hit with the fan hammer? Because I, I thought it was a stone wall red. Um, it was off the ball. Um, it looked for all the world like he lashed out with his with his hand at um, 
I can't remember who the QPR player was off the top of my head, but um, it did not look good on the TV replays. The referee clearly has not seen it. I mean, open up to the band um, if, if it does happen. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we we did ride our luck with some of the refereeing decisions last night because he was just so awful for both sides, so it evened itself out. Um, both our goals, um, I mean, the finish from Puskas, um, it's the way that he will miss sitters. I think you said it on the Twitter account, Paul, but he will miss sitters for fun. And then it comes to putting away one of the harder chances he's had in recent weeks. And he lost it away like a natural, did not it? So, it, just, it makes no sense, does it, at all? It's totally illogical. I've, I've stopped um, trying to make sense of it because I think he just must be a player for the cameras. You know, he does it for a, you know, an international duty. He's he scored all three of the goals for Reading in front of the Sky cameras. He, he just must love, you know, being on TV. I'm going to go up there and take the camera up with me and just stand there <laughs> in front of him and make a real point of saying, George... <laughs> Look at me! I've got a camera. I a well, big big T-shirt with Sky TV on the front. <laughs> Maybe it'll work. That's psychology in his head. But, but yeah, but that also pass from Obi Ajaria though wasn't just because I think with Ajaria last season at times we knew he was class. We knew he was quality. We knew he could dribble with the ball. But this season he started to marry it up with some end product in terms of his passing. I mean, it was real eye of the needle stuff yesterday. Uh, we know he's he's got an eye for goal now with what he's proven this season. The goal he scored against West Brom, brilliant goal. Um, he's got to be, for me, in my purely, purely biased view, one of the best technicians of the ball in this league. He's He's got to be up there. He's got to be one of the best. Most. And, and also, other teams are starting to notice it now. You see drips and drabs of tweets from other um, fans from other clubs now after the game saying, oh, that Ajari is class. Or, like, you've got to watch out for, for Obi Ajari because, you know, other teams start to stand up and notice that he is a cut above. Yeah, I get yeah, impressed with Obi Ajari every week. Sorry, here you go on. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, um, on the train back, actually, because I live in London, so QPR fans on my train, and I overheard a conversation between two people going, Oh, and who was their number 14? Because he was absolutely class, wasn't he? And I know a lot of their fans have been um, bigging up. Is it Ezzy, their midfielder? I'm probably butchering a pronunciation there. But um, we seem to nullify the threat of him. And Ijaria really stood out. And there were quite a few tweets from QPR fans saying exactly that after the game. But Ijari was the player they really noticed on the pitch. Yeah, I listened to a Crestman podcast uh, from uh, obviously last weekend and they were saying exactly the same. They were saying, who's that number 14? He's pretty good, isn't he? And when you're getting that from opposition fans, that is what you want. And kind of, thankfully, I know uh, at the moment he isn't actually our player, but he will be our player. Uh, people will start to kind of like worry that he's going to leave the day after he signs permanently. And that is not impossible. But if that does happen, he would have had an absolutely fantastic season. And we will make a bundle of cash on him. Similarly, in a similar situation to Ajaria, whereas I know that Ajaria is, to all intents and purposes, touch woods, fingers crossed, our player. But similarly to him, Matt Miazga um, is becoming a, just a real, real asset for us. Um, I know it was kind of overshadowed last night with the possible 
red card incident, but up until that, he, he's just such a nasty piece of work in the best way possible at the back. Um, he was, he is that person you want there, isn't he? He's pure. He's got evil in his bones on the pitch. I mean, off the pitch, he might be nice. But on it, he wants to defend. That's what you want, isn't it? He wants to get he wants to get hurt. He runs off that adrenaline, I feel. Off the tackles. But yeah. He seems to be thriving under the management of Bowen as well. I mean, that's not to say that he wasn't any good under Gomez, because he was. He's been one of our standout defenders, if not the standout defender for us this season, I would say. But uh, under Bowen, Bowen just seems Mark Bowen seems to have given him license to just be even more of a dick. And this, you know, uh, it's, it's really enjoying it. Yeah, totally. And obviously scoring that goal of the weekend. But someone who did score against is a man who absolutely loves Reading Football Club. And that is Naki Wells. Oh. The man is an absolute... He just... He can't stay away from scoring against us. What it is we've done to upset his family in his past life, who knows? But there's something that's happened. Hugh... How surprised are you when he scored? Oh, not at all, especially given that I think every transfer window since about 2013, 16-year-olds have been tweeting, we need to sign that Naki Wells. Has anyone seen Naki Wells? We should sign him. It's, it's of no surprise when he pops up with a goal, is it? I, um, it was a bit of a tough angle from the stands to see, but could Raphael have done a bit better with the no, goal? I don't think so. I think the person to blame really for that one was Puskas. That was really quite poor. He should yeah. pass, yeah. And Morrison initially put it out for a throw-in for them, didn't he? He panicked at the back when he could have just launched it up the pitch. I mean, QPR are a good attacking side this season, but I do think they'll eventually, teams who concede a lot of goals struggle to kind of keep high in the division over a season. I mean, I don't want to curse it, but I'd be surprised to see him in the playoffs at the end of the season. But we've played two teams now who were in the playoffs at the start of the uh, match and beaten one, drawn against the other, and neither looked special. I mean, kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but Preston didn't look anything great. And QPR, you wouldn't have known who was the team in the playoffs and who was the team in 19th for full-time, I'd say. So... It seems to me the championship this year, a division where if one team does turn out to be brilliant, they'll really stand out. But there's no quality like a Wolves or Newcastle from previous years. No, there isn't. I mean, Muskis is a kind of frustrating kind of figure at times, isn't he? Because yeah. they, he scored last night, but some of his link-up play is just non-existent. And against Preston, what have you thought of his kind of all-round game, Jacob? It kind of, yeah. I don't know. I think... We could all perhaps see it coming in that historically record signings for Reading have never, ever, ever justified their price tag. Like, bar none. Uh, I cannot name a single player that the club has signed for a record fee that has, you know, ended up being a standout, you know, brilliant, consistently brilliant performer for us. Um, so maybe, you know, there is the weight of expectation on his shoulders, but he, I just hope he doesn't get frustrated. I hope that in terms of like him applying himself and whatever else, he doesn't do what other players have done for us in the past and that his head drops and he thinks that he's better than he is and he starts looking for a move away. Because um, I do think he will come good. He shows glimpses, he shows flashes. Um, and if you, I mean, I, you hate to get into like the dark arts of 
expected goals and you know uh, xg statistics and whatever. but if you look at his if you look at his expected goals but you're going to go there jacob aren't you <laughs> you're going to go there <laughs> after saying that i wouldn't um, if you look at it if every week these spurious graphs and you know tables and like excel spreadsheets will come out that say that he's a world beater and all he needs is a little run all he needs is a little run you know and he 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 bangs in a couple from now, I think it will click. And I know we said this after Cardiff, but I really do have the greatest faith. I really do have the greatest faith. I think um, him and Bulldog up front is an intriguing partnership that I hadn't really seen coming at any point because they are in in a way the polar opposites of each other in that Bulldog's a bit of an unglamorous, proven championship striker, whereas Puskas is an eye-catching um new proposition to the championship and it's like they are sort of foils to each other yeah. um i don't know like maybe in the this is a really crude comparison but maybe in the sort of like lafondra jason roberts mold maybe they can you know maybe they can hit it off I, it's very optimistic which one's jason roberts jacob <laughs> <laughs> um but i i don't know i mean i thought um think well, more no hun well <laughs> Well, yeah, is it clearly very similar? Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, whilst we're on the subject of um, of Bulldog, um, he looked like a man possessed last night for me. He, um, yeah, yeah, I was getting down to him, Bulldog. Yeah. I mean, he came on against Preston and he looked like he'd, um, I don't know what happened to him. It's like he got a new set of legs or something. It was quite incredible. Reinvigorating, give, probably just had confidence put into him, as you were saying about uh, Puskas. Because Bowen, the confidence is so key. Bowen said after the match that, Puskas is feeling the weight of pressure slightly or kind of implied that. And you could see that afterwards he scored the goal. He was like constantly kind of big puff of breath. You can see he put out um, uh, Puskas. It was such a relief. It's a pressure on his mind, isn't it? But Bulldog has come in not completely from the cold because he wasn't isolated as much as Gareth McCleary and Gunter. But I think he's been fantastic in both matches. Hugh, what have you thought of his performances? Yeah, I mean, he surprised me because I was at the Wickham game in the League Cup and Bulldog was poor by all standards Mm. against Wickham. And this is League One opposition where he should be standing out, really, if he's to do well. But, yeah, like you said, against Preston, he came on like a man possessed. He was chasing everything down. I think at one point he picked it up in our half and he just charged to the point where he was about 25 yards from goal and had a shot blocked and... um, yeah, you kind of he got one of those goals that, to coin another popular phrase of mine, you just love to see it. Someone um popping up at the back post, <laughs> just completely unmarked and hitting it as hard as he can, even though he's pretty much on the goal line. Like, but yeah, he just from the first minute he was constantly pointing to Ajaria and Swift where he wanted the ball. He was going after it in a way that he hadn't under. I mean, I know he was never really given a chance in the league by Gomez last season because once Oliveira came in, that was kind of our choice of striker for the rest of the season. But under Clement, he kind of he never really stood out as a player. You just thought, oh, we've signed another average kind of championship journeyman a bit. Like, um, yeah, previous strikers we've seen at the club who haven't done so well, like Vidra or Billy Sharp when he was at Reading. And um, But no, if he can keep this level of performance up and doesn't run himself into the ground too soon, then he's going to be kind of, um, yeah, 
making a lot of Reading fans eat their words, I guess, because I'd completely written him off as a Reading player. The only thing I would say is a partnership of Bulldog and Puskas does lack a bit of height. And we were trying to go long at times yesterday and they had two big centre-halves QPR and they just send it kind of 30 yards back from where it came from. So I do think maybe going forwards for partnership might have to involve Zhao or Meite because you can't go long with those two up front. Well, you know what the solution is? Uh, we need to get Yeah. <laughs> We must have like a buyback clause in there somewhere. Get, get oh, back. please. Oh, yeah. Why not? That would be perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, only for him to be fit for one game a season or so. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. One game, yeah. I also want to give a shout out to Matt Lansley because he absolutely killed the prediction on the podcast last Sunday. Not only did he get the correct score, he got the goal score as, as well. So, Matt, if you are listening to this... Yes, you are incredibly clever, but not so clever to put a bet on. So I just want to point that out to you. You should actually be somewhere in Vegas right now, but you're probably sat somewhere in Reading. So you could be rich, but you're not. So I uh, I also got the 106 Chatter member on today, Hugh, and they're doing a charity walk. So tell us about that walk, Hugh, and what you're trying to raise money for. Yeah, so myself individually, I'm raising money for MSUK. Um, I chose for charity because it means a lot to my wife as um, we had a family member recently pass away from MS and it is a tough disease. I think a lot of Reading fans might remember that Chris Armstrong, the left back who won player of the season, he had to retire due to MS and it kind of, um, over the years you will live a long life but it will just completely restrict what you do. So MS UK supports people in kind of, giving them the best life that they can have at the moment while also looking into cures um, for it. And the other members who are doing it with me, so there's four of us, myself, uh, Chris, Craig and Tom, all Reading season ticket holders, and they're representing Mind Cancer Research UK and Prostate Cancer uh, Research, which all good causes. And so we were just chatting, the four of us, before the season started kind of thinking, oh, what could we do? We want to do something as a group for charity. And we kind of thought, could it be done that you could go to a game on a Saturday and then immediately leave the match to walk to the next game if it was an away to a home or home to away? And the fixture list just so had it that we play Stoke at home in March Mm. on Saturday at 3 o'clock, Saturday the 14th, and then we play Derby away at Pride Park on the 17th for Tuesday night and you can according to Google make it in time to walk from the game finishing against Stoke to arrive in time for kickoff at Pride Park so we're going to be setting off at five o'clock from the Medeski um, stopping overnight in Wallingford then Banbury then Nuneaton to hopefully arrive in time for kickoff um, at Pride Park so we'll probably see well, no, I'd have said before we'd probably see two defeats, but now with a slight bit of optimism, uh, we might see at least a win against Stoke. Um, so, yeah, kind of if you check out our Twitter page, which is just at 106chat, 
um, our pinned tweet is a link to the charity site where you can read a bit more about why each of us has chosen the charity and kind of um, see a line drawn over the UK to show exactly how far we are walking from Reading to Derby. It's about 120 miles in total. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. that is a proper walk, okay. isn't it? So, yeah, definitely, if you can uh, find some money to give to that, that would be, sounds like it's great causes. Three other causes as well. So go to the 106 chat Twitter account and then check out their pin tweet and uh, give, give us some money because uh, anyone who walks that far to watch a Reading man, I've, match has got to be slightly crazy. I've got to say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, that is a long way to go. So moving on into the second half, I felt QPR started a little bit on top. We couldn't quite get the ball into their half, but it wasn't a barrage of shots. We weren't seeing save after save. But in the 58th minute, we've seen so many of these, another deflected goal. Uh, Jacob, what did you think of the goal? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it was harsh on us again, similar to the first one, in that the first one was definitely against the runner play, but I didn't think we were necessarily going the, the right way to concede in the second half. Um, I thought we were, we were just about matching QPR. Um, but then previously... Um, we would have gone down again and then capitulated. Um, in in recent times, we've just not had the mental wherewithal or the resilience to drag ourselves back um, from a losing position and then go on and scrape a point. So that was pleasing. The fact that you know in the second half, but also the first half, we we managed to sort of manoeuvre ourselves back into you know getting a point, but maybe with a little bit of luck again. But um, I don't know, like Jordan Hugel, man, there's just something about it that just annoys me. Yeah, like, I, I'm I'm with you on that group, <laughs> totally. I can't quite put, because there are certain players that will rub you up the wrong way and you know exactly why. You know, maybe they've got <laughs> an attitude or maybe, they, I don't know, look a bit funny or maybe they once, like, I don't know, ran over a small child or something. But, like, with... Um, <laughs> With... <laughs> Where did that come from, Jake? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't even name a player that has done that. From my head. Uh, but um, yeah, no, just Jordan, Jordan Hugel, like real piece of work. Hated him score. Hated. Is he one of those ones who's gum as well? I'm not <laughs> sure because I find that annoying with players. I don't know why. It's just irrational. It's just something about him that just makes you think. Oh God, you you're a piece of work, aren't you? But they must have been thinking that about Miazga as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Miazga kind of gets out. I don't know. Did he get outworked for the uh, equaliser from Naki Wells? Possibly, which is unlikely. But Naki Wells has been brilliant this season. Um, and the combination between him and Hugo. I mean, but I don't want to start saying how good the fake hoops are because I don't really want, want to go there. <laughs> but 2-1 mm. down, I kind of felt the worst was going to happen at that moment because we've all been there for the last well, mainly three years out of four when there's no way we would have come back from that. But we saw the return of Gareth McCleary on the 66th minute. And no way am I saying that he is the man who revived our season and got us back into the game because it's not like that. But I did think from his performance that he questioned why he hasn't been involved at all. What did you think of it, Hugh? Um, it's a strange one because he didn't do anything that really stood out 
on the pitch when he came on. There were a couple of crosses straight to the keeper. But it was more just the energy he brought in attack. And all, we went in a midfield. It was a very risky switch because all of a sudden we had a midfield three of McCleary, Swift and Ajaria, which leaves you so open to counter-attacks, even with Swift diving in for challenges. Taking off Rinamata was a definite risky move, but it just suddenly meant we put QPR on the back foot. And maybe Gomez was wrong then to exile McCleary. I mean, I think something clearly happened in the summer where we were trying to move on the higher earners. But I did feel once we kind of got to the end of the transfer window and hadn't sold Gunter and McCleary, there should have been room for them to then play between... Um, sorry, am I flickering a little bit? But... Um, yeah, that Gunter and McCleary could have been part of the squad going forwards from August. Yes, I do think that as well. I think that was a definite possibility. I'm not quite sure what happened there. We'll probably find out in, I don't yeah. know, a few, maybe a couple of months' time when uh, Gomez has uh, gone. And uh, he obviously made his appearances on Sky as well, Gomez, which went down really well. He's a nice bloke. There's absolutely no doubt on that. And uh, I hope he does well in his next job. But I kind of I feel that maybe with Bowen, still very early, but I feel there's more fight in him. And he's getting back to basics. And that's what we needed to do. We need to kind of, we're too soft. Kind of agree with that, Jacob? Yeah, I um, see this is something that I think that Bowen's being quite canny and clever about doing is bringing players like McCleary and Bulldog back into the fold. I know with Bulldog, he's never really been out of the fold but um, McCleary in particular you could see even though um, you know we've, we've said that he might not have done anything um, particularly of note when he came on um, he just you could see he was up for it and he's got a point to prove and when you've got a player like McCleary with a point to prove Bulldog with something to prove even Mark Bowen with something to prove all of a sudden there's a little bit more bite and attack and edge to us which is exactly what we need. Um, we've been saying for ages that we just need them to look like they're, you know, there's something on the line for them that, you know, we want to see the effort being put in and we just want to see them getting scrappy. And we did that last night. And I think in part that is due to us reintroducing exiled players. I mean, another thing we haven't spoken about is um, players like McCleary and Bulldog bring experience and are like, old heads to a young group because our more talented players are also our more raw players. So Ijaria, even though, you know, it's plain to see that he is brilliant, he, you know, this is only his, what, uh, I want to say, it's his second season of championship football, isn't it? Because he wasn't, he wasn't in the championship before he played for us a lot. Um, so, he, you know, you do look to people then like McCleary and, and Bulldog to set an example. And I do think that when it comes to writing the history books um, about Gomez's time with us, I think it will transpire that it was his biggest gamble and biggest mistake to exile the likes of McCleary. If not due to the on-pitch stuff, but for the off-pitch stuff, because you could tell that something had started to change behind the scenes and you wonder whether it was the discontent of... McCleary and Gun to being out for five months had something to do with that. Whereas, um, I don't know, I don't think it's, I, I can understand why they were exiled if, you know, the hope was that they would move on 
to another club, um, but it didn't work out that way. And I think it did us more harm than good in the end. Um, even if they hadn't been playing for us, at least have them about the place. You know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, as strength in depth, that would have been fine. But instead, it was a very heavy-handed and clumsy thing for Gomez to do, I think. And I think he made a rod for his own back for doing that. So it is good to see McCleary back. I don't think he is a world beater. I don't, I don't think he's a solution to any of our problems. But I think politically, to get the players back on side and to get the fans, in a way, back on side as well, because I know there are still fans that, you know, hold McCleary in esteem. Um, I think it was quite a canny move from Bowen last night. Yeah, I think it kind of just gets rid of that issue completely. So then we don't talk about Chris Gunter. We don't talk about Gareth McCleary being out. And we've just got, like you were, exactly you were saying, Jacob, it's just harmony. And that is what we need. We don't need discontent within the ranks and what's happening in the training ground. We have, we have no idea what's going on there. But having two senior players like that not involved, I can't... I, that could easily create problems and frictions and splits between players, and especially when things aren't going well. And they haven't been going well. So we then get the equaliser from Bulldog, which kind of Gareth McCleary kind of slightly tries to claim, I think. I'm not sure he had a touch on that ball. But a perfect cross from Swift onto the head of Yadam. I don't think John Swift got enough credit for that cross because so many times you could just hit that ball a little bit too hard. And Yadam as well for the header. Kind of, how was the away in when that went in to tell us you? Oh, it was absolute limbs, essentially. Because <laughs> uh, where, where I sat was right over in, I don't know, how recently you've been to Loftus Road, but you get that bit where there are some loud fans right in the corner near the Reading fans. And this one bloke had just been shouting dogs abuse, essentially, all game. Just absolute nonsense, this one fella. But so loud you could hear it. And then it's just silence from the QPR end and a roar from the Reading fans behind the goal. And to have it scored right in front of you at Loftus Road is always a great feeling, especially because you're right on top of the pitch with where you sat there. So, yeah, it was just absolutely brilliant to get that equaliser. And it was fully deserved as well. It's one of those, because you're at the ground, it's not watching it on Sky where you've got the camera just following the ball. All of a sudden, you just see Yeardham pop up out of nowhere and you're thinking, oh, my God, just ping it to him at the far post. Get it there as quick as you can. And Swift puts it perfectly on a plate for him. I mean, because of Ijaria's pass, I feel Swift's cross isn't getting enough credit. But that was perfectly weighted to then just, I don't know if it would have gone in without Bulldog's touch, but the way Yeardom's put that back across goal, keepers wrong-footed, it was just really well-worked move. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm defending from QPR, but I'm banging yeah. that. <laughs> You're going to say something, Jacob. I, I must admit, I was concerned for Swift when um, the new manager came in because I know he's been dropping deeper in games and it's Ajara who's been in that traditional number 10 role. But I thought he had a very, very good game last night. Uh, he was unlucky from free kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't remember whether that was first half or second half, but he really tested the, uh, the QPR keeper um, with um, a really good effort on target. And I think that Overall, this season, he's been a real force for good in this team. Um, yeah, he's been one of the consistent players. I'd say John Swift is probably, if you were going to do a kind of player of the season so far, he's got to be in there. 
Yeah, I mean, because previously in in previous seasons, so he's been with us deceptively quite a long time now, and we've always known he's got the talent. It's just about him producing it consistently, and more often than not, this season he's had more he's had more good games than he has bad games. I think you can say for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know when when that midfield of Swift, Jaria, and either Rinham Hotter and Pele's like on song, then you know it's the difference is night and day. Whereas if yeah. they're not, then you know it's like an entire third of our team just goes missing. So. You know, but I, I thought, you know, definitely fair play to Swift last night. You mentioned the cross. I think it's it's fair that he was, you know, one of our standout performers last night. Yeah, I think virtually the whole team played well last night. I don't think there's anyone that would get below a six last night. There are probably loads of sevens and I wouldn't maybe say eight, but definitely all sevens across the board. So if you're getting that most weeks in the championship with the ability that we've got, we're going to be more than okay. I mean, I'm still sticking with like 13th is my prediction because I think we've had a pretty awful start, basically. So it'd be hard to catch up on that. But you never know what's going to happen. I think for the rest of that game, though, last night, it kind of petered out for the rest of the game. It wasn't much. There was a little chance for Bulldog, but it was a really tough chance to get shot away. But to come away with a two-all draw, I think we would have all taken that before the match. So four points from two matches for Mark Bowen in his first two games. And he, oh, it's rare. I don't think he's made a mistake so far. He's changing tactics. He's picking the right team. He's adapting it throughout the game. And I think that's one of the key things that managers haven't had is the adaptability during a game. And like last night, we saw Swift. As you were saying, he was going deeper when he took off Rinomoto. Just those little tiny things can make a difference to a match because QPR was slightly getting on top. And then after that, they weren't the same. It was kind of negated that issue. And that is a key thing. I think um, the the biggest or one of the most notable improvements that Bone has made tactically to the team, and I'm saying this as one of his most vocal critics, like when he came in, I was absolutely, um, well, I don't know, non-plus non to put it politely. Um, but he, in terms of his substitutions... Um, so much better than Gomez's. Whereas Gomez would really often chuck the baby out with the bathwater and do something way OTT and like far, you know, just like really unnecessary changes, like taking off both fullbacks and putting on two strikers. You're not gonna get gonna get any of that with Bowen because it was sensible changes at the right time, which fans and the fans could see what he was trying to achieve. Yeah. with substitutions so um stuff like that will only help him um so far he's built up like a fair amount of goodwill surprisingly within like quite a short space of time with me and, you know if we can go to forest and get you know a scraper point there then that would just be the perfect start for him yeah if we can go to forest is obviously coming up as our next game on saturday away that would be anything. A point would be a fantastic result. Their Forest will be six in the league. Last season, we lost their 1-0. And also the home game. That was one of Gomez's rare wins. That was a 2-0 win. If you remember, Forest had the two players sent off. Uh, Danny Fox did something particularly stupid when he didn't need to get sent off, which I quite enjoyed because, I don't know, he's another one of those players that just winds me up. I don't know why. But um, <laughs> So how do you think Hugh is going to go on Saturday at Nottingham Forest? 
I I think this is going to be our toughest test so far. I kind of I see Forest as a team will probably do quite well this season, and I'm gonna say reluctantly two one Forest. I think the big games for us are the two home matches that follow it against Millwall and Luton. But um, yeah, Forest I can see us losing, but hopefully it won't matter too much in the grand scheme of things. No, I think it'll be fine. What are you going to say? What are you going to realistically predict there, Jacob? Um, you're going to call me a maniac, but I, I've got a really good feeling about us going to Forest because if you look at the results that we picked up this season on the road, we have scraped the odd point against some really great teams. I was at West Brom, managed a point there, um, and you know could have even got more from West Brom. I thought we. We played a blind game there. Swansea, important point there. Uh, obviously, QPR last night. These are all big teams, right? All like in the in the grand scheme of this season, they are teams that have been doing well. Um, Forest, obviously, are class. And I think this could probably be the season for them. I was in a Uber the other day with um, an Uber driver who was a Forest fan. And he was, you know, uh, preaching until he's blue in the face that they're going up the season. And, you know, I'd love to tell him that he's wrong, but I think he's right. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I can see us scraping a one-all draw. I really can. And I think there is some skin in the game, too, with players like McCleary, obviously having a bit of history there. And, you know, if Bowen decides to start with a similar team and then chuck on McCleary for the last 10 minutes, I mean, like, oh, I'd like a last-minute McCleary equalizer <laughs> winner. I mean, I, and I would be on cloud nine. But maybe I'm getting a bit carried away. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Well, do you know what? I'm going to go for the same. I think we can get a point there as well. I genuinely think that for all the reasons that you've just given, our away form against teams near the top of the league is not that bad at all. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a one-all. I'm also going to uh, mention about how uh, we've had a massive rebrand. We've now got Facebook, we've got IG. Um, Instagram for those people uh, I don't quite understand that terminology for the older generation listeners <laughs> uh, we've also got a website sorry Jacob it sounds like a disease we've all got IG <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that is not a disease you will not pass off any illnesses if you go to our Instagram site <laughs> it's also got um, a website as well so yeah get involved with that get the followers up let's make this brand EPR bigger <laughs> it's like I'm going to um, uh, say thanks to everyone for listening there. Appreciate that. And if you have enjoyed, uh, get subscribed on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all the other places that you go to. So cheers. Bye.